Welcome to the Special Needs Kids Are People Too podcast with Amy Bodkin, EDS. Amy is an autistic adult who also happens to be a school psychologist turned special needs consultant and public speaker. She's also a homeschooling mom to two autistic kiddos, a yoga instructor, a card-carrying Trekkie, and an all-around fun person. And last but not least, Amy is an advocate for seeing every child as a person, not a diagnosis. Because a special needs kid is just like any other child, just more so. Here's Amy Bodkin. Hi, I'm Amy Bodkin, coming to you from the blanket fort in my office, and welcome to Special Needs Kids Are People Too. Today, I wanted to talk with you guys about puberty, how an autistic girl grows up. I'm not going to even try to talk about the boys because I am a girl, (laughs) and that is my experience. There are so many different things involved in going from an autistic girl to an autistic woman. Um, It is quite the process, and it is definitely filled with a lot of emotional upheaval. (laughs) All of the changing hormones um, can really impact sensory overload, can cause a great deal of emotional stress. All of the changing hormones of everyone else around you can also cause a lot of challenges because all of the sudden, all of the social interactions have gotten a lot more complicated because everybody's hormones are changing at the same time, especially if you go to a school. And there's also a lot of new things being introduced that can add to the sensory overload. Um, For example, changing bodies. Uh, trying to introduce things like bras and pads and tampons and um, all those fun things. It's gotten a lot better in recent years. We have more options now. We have more adaptive clothing options, too, for that matter, than we used to. And that's made a big difference. Uh, For example... These days, you don't have to wear a bra. I mean, actually, in a lot of places, you never did. (laughs) Um, You know, you can make clothing selections that, you know, make it less obvious, depending on, you know, the kinds of shirts you choose to wear and stuff. Or you can be very obvious, but um, at least in the United States, it tends to be a bit more popular to choose shirts that make your developing chest a little less obvious. Um, If you choose to wear something, there's now options. We've got tank tops that have built-in bras that feel butter soft. That's really important. We've got sports bras that are made of really soft material that are not too tight. Uh, There's lots of different options out there besides your traditional bra. And not wearing one is still an option. (laughs) Um, And then as far as pads go, I mean, we've got so many options now. They've got the period underwear and the period swim bottoms now. Those are way cool. Um, And those tend to be really popular in autistic adult groups. Uh, When you ask what kinds of bras and like underwear and pads and stuff people choose. Those are going to be some of the things, the things I mentioned are going to be some of the things they bring up. Um, And then, of course, (laughs) there's also increased hair. So, you know, 
shaving can start to become an issue. Um, and again, we've got options there too now. You've got your traditional razor using water and shaving cream, but you've also got an electric razor, which is a much safer option for most people. Um, we've also got uh, creams like Nair that can remove hair. Um, and you always have the option to go hairy. <laughs> That's an option, guys. <laughs> um, I think a lot of times people look at what's common around them in their environment and they assume that that's what you've got to do or you'll be picked on. And you may be picked on because there's some people out there who are jerks, but they're going to pick on you regardless of what you do because they're jerks. Um, and you need the opportunity to do you. Do what works for you. I cut my legs up all over the place when I was learning to shave as a kid because I could not find the right pressure to not scalp my legs. <laughs> um, and I think that sometimes it can be helpful when learning something like that to have someone help you with it, at least the first few times, so that you can feel what it's supposed to feel like. But, I mean, that also depends on how you feel things in your body. Some people have a really hard time feeling what it feels like so they can mimic it. And sometimes people have a hard time figuring out how to hold things in a direction so that you don't end up taking up a lot of skin. So, you know, in those kinds of instances, you might want to go with an electric razor or let them just go hairy. That's fine too. Um, and some people really don't like deodorant. And there's some options there too. Um, you know, we've got your traditional deodorants that are powders or gels or sprays, uh, but there's also salt rocks. And really, honestly, you can use a block of salt or a piece of sock or salt or a rock of salt, rub it under your armpit, like dampen it and rub it under your armpit. And it usually will t at least take away a lot of the smell. Um, and it doesn't really tend to leave behind a residue because it's a salt rock and we are, we all have salt on and in our bodies, <laughs> water and salt. So it doesn't feel like anything that's weird. Um, and there's all sorts of different brands too. There's ones with no smell. There's ones with certain kinds of smells. So, you know, it, the whole, there's a whole sensory experience though, with every single one of these things. And there's a whole sensory experience with like pads and tampons and cups and, um, period underwear and all those kinds of things too. Some people really don't like the feeling of a tampon or a cup. That's okay. There's other options. Thankfully we have period swimwear now. That is amazing. They did not have that when I was a kid. I think it's really cool. Um, and then of course, <laughs> there's just, there's a lot of change happening and it's overwhelming. All of a sudden you have all this new stuff to get used to and figure out and understand. And you might not be ready at that point. Um, there are also a lot of birth control options out there. Some people choose to use options that will, um, delay the changing of hormones so that you don't have to deal with things quite as young. Um, and you know, that's something you'd have to discuss with your doctor. Uh, each person's different. 
um, hormonal birth control was always something that I was highly sensitive to for whatever reason, and it did not tend to be very friendly to my body. Um, and I think there's um, some other autistic adults out there, too, who are also sensitive to hormones as well. So it just depends on the person, though. Um, and you have to really talk about that with your doctor and also talk with your child and listen to what they have to say. And if they don't have anything to say about it at the time being, then it's possible you might be able to delay puberty a little bit. Um, changing, bodies changing, that can be really hard. Um <laughs> A lot of us don't really like it when people get haircuts because then they look different and we're like, who is this person? <laughs> uh, so going through physical changes like puberty is a lot harder sometimes. Um, so there is just so much going on and it can be stressful. So learning to try and allow things to happen as slowly as possible without pushing a lot of expectations on your kid can really help make that transition easier. You know, if we say, well, you know what, you have to wear a bra, you have to shave, um, you have to do it the way I did it, that's going to put a lot of extra pressure on them. They may at some point get to the point where they want to do those kinds of things, but they need to come at it at their own time. They need time to adjust and not have extra expectations, adding to the total stress load that's already there from changing hormones and just changing bodies and getting used to different things. I do think, though, generally speaking, as women, we don't talk about these kinds of topics often enough. I've talked to so many other women who have said, neurotypical women, too, who've said, nobody ever told me about blank. Or, you know, why don't we talk more about blank? And there's definitely been a lack of education as far as puberty goes in females. It tends to be focused around, here's your period, here's how to deal with it. Okay, go on, be well. Well, there's a whole lot more going on there. <laughs> um, there can be problems that come up with periods, endometriosis and stuff, um, and there can be, uh, you know, other issues that come up as we go a little bit further down the road. Um, a lot of times people know nothing about pregnancy until they get pregnant and then they buy a book about it because no one's ever really talked about it a great deal. And we don't tend to live in homes with multi-generations most of the time. Or we don't remember when our own parents had children. I remember very clearly because my youngest uh, sibling is 12 years younger than me. And so the first time I held our baby, our first child, I think I held in the hospital, but she was maybe the 10th newborn I'd held in a hospital. So it wasn't any big surprise. But some of these things, that, and oh, there were so many things about that experience too that nobody ever mentioned and it's not like we learned about it in school. Um, and a lot of times we end up asking other women as we get older, hey, have you had this happen? Oh, good. I thought it was just me. But finding someone that you can ask those kinds of questions to. Um, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes your doctor who's supposed to know those kinds of things isn't much help because 
our understanding of the female reproductive system is honestly still rather in its infant stage. When we've got the primary organs, we know how babies are made, you know, those kinds of things. But as far as, you know, how hormones interact and what happens if you provide extra of this hormone and such, I mean, we understand some of it, but there's still quite a bit of limitations. And we've still got tons of cases of endometriosis and other things like that. So, and doctors who don't listen when someone says, I'm hurting. I uh, read a comment on Reddit just the other day Say it was um, morticians talking about autopsies they had done, and someone had opened up a woman who had died who had been told that she was a hypochondriac and that she just had anxiety and discovered that her abdomen was completely scarred due to endometriosis that had not been addressed. And that does happen a lot. And helping our children develop knowledge as they're growing is such an important thing for all, all parents because it's not something that they're going to necessarily get in school if they go to school. We don't cover everything. <laughs> um, but we do need to have more conversations at home with our children and making sure that we develop the kind of relationship where we feel comfortable talking about things that are uncomfortable. And the only way that we're able to develop that kind of relationship is by not embarrassing people, listening with an open mind in an accepting way, and affirming that, well, yeah, that's a good idea, that's a good point, that's a good question. Um, I can see how that might be very uncomfortable for you. Or, okay, you don't want to do that. Let's find another option. What are your options? Let's find them all and find the one that fits you. And when we make it about, you know, supporting our children and finding what fits them and we're able to step back from what we've been accustomed to our entire lives and help them find what works for them, a lot of times we're able to have those conversations and it'd be a lot more appropriate. And now for a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, this is Amy from amybodkin.com. I wanted to let you know that we're starting a new type of episode on the podcast called Dear Amy. We would love for you to submit the questions you have about homeschooling and life in general with special needs to amybodkin.com forward slash dear dash Amy. I'm looking forward to discussing some of the topics that are important in your life. My favorite book on puberty for girls is called The Wonder of Becoming You. And it's written by an Orthodox Jewish doctor, and it definitely has um, an Orthodox Jewish approach to it. But I think it is the most positive book I have seen out there on puberty. Uh, it talks about why our bodies develop the way they do. That every time that the uterus um, lining is filled with blood, it's preparing to support life. And that it has to practice to be able to make sure it's ready to do it right when the time comes. 
Um, it talks about developing chests and how as breast tissue develops, it is learning how to be able to create milk that can change with the baby to provide for a baby's growing needs. So the milk you get at three months is different from the milk you get at 10 months. How many of us were never told that until after we had our children or maybe even after our children grew up? (laughs) There's so many things like that that we don't explain But when they come with the explanation of this is what's going on in your body and this is why it's doing it and this is why it's such a wonderful thing, Um, you know, maybe it's not for you. That's okay. You know, we can make different choices, but um, there's still beauty in it and it makes it a little bit easier to appreciate why things are happening the way they are, why things have to change, when we understand what there is to appreciate, to value, potentially to look forward to. My other favorite book, this one was written for adults. They have a teen version. I have the adult version. Um, And really, this is not one you'd want to hand to your young teenager. (laughs) This is one that you'd want to maybe go over and share with them together. Um, It's called Take Charge of Your Fertility. And it's a wonderful book because it goes through and explains all the many different things that change throughout a monthly cycle that most people don't know about. Most women don't know about. (laughs) That your temperature changes, that fluid changes, that... um, positioning of the cervix changes, things like that. Um, All those things that we don't tend to talk about and that a lot of us didn't learn growing up. And it explains how you can observe your body and understand it better and work with it better. And that's a wonderful thing. The more we understand ourselves, the better off we are for being able to advocate for ourselves later. Um, Now, obviously, you know, that's not like the first book you'd want to pull out and go, hey, you might be getting a period soon. You should know all this. (laughs) We take things in steps. So um, The Wonder of Becoming You is a wonderful, beautiful introduction to what will happen eventually. Um, Take Charge Your Fertility. That's a really good book for going into more of a deep dive once you've gotten used to all of the other things. Um, But mostly it's walking together, sharing, sharing the things that didn't go well or that surprised you or that you didn't know or that scared you. um, But in a way that says, hey, I get it. Change is hard. But hey, there's some good things to look forward to. And I think that's sometimes something that we tend to mess up. We tend to focus so much on the hard things. You know, what was hard about having teenagers or what was hard about having small children. And we end up telling, (laughs) it's like we're telling war stories or something. And we kind of end up scaring people sometimes I think because they go oh my goodness I couldn't do that I I I don't know I don't think I want to do that (laughs) and 
I think so what we really need to do is focus on what's beautiful. And that's really what I love about the way The Wonder of Becoming You was written. It also has a section, a whole chapter on modesty, and only one page is talking about physical dress. The rest of it is talking about how there's certain conversations that are appropriate in certain circles and not in others. And I was thinking, wow, I really wish somebody would have explained that to me more clearly when I was little because... (laughs) That one took me a very long time, and in fact, sometimes I still have problems with that one. Every once in a while, I'll be doing a Facebook Live or something, and I will uh, over at a Charlotte Mason plenary, and I'll say something like, oh, well, we're talking about herbs, and I have this weed garden, and I meant, like, yard weeds, you know, but it didn't come out quite right. I can have all kinds of situations like that come up all the time, and it just doesn't occur to me that Maybe we shouldn't talk about that in this context. (laughs) So that was a wonderful um, section that I got a lot out of personally myself. And there were quite a few things that I hadn't read until I was much older um, that's included in this little book meant for young girls. And it's such a positive, positive book. It doesn't make you feel bad about, you know, how you look or anything focuses on how sometimes people do feel insecure when they're different from people, but it's just because they're different. It's not because of any one difference. Or maybe because they feel different from themselves the way they were before things started changing. So acknowledging those kinds of feelings. Um, Of course, with puberty also comes a lot of meltdowns and a lot of sensory overload, which is why you have a lot of meltdowns. I had a bunch Uh, I am one of five children, and my mother likes to say that of the five, I was the hardest for junior high because of all of the meltdowns from sensory overload, although at the time we didn't have the words for that to recognize the problem. Um, But she did realize that if as soon as I got home from school, she sent me to get on the computer for a little while, I would decompress, and then I would be able to approach my homework and be a reasonable creature but I needed to decompress because I was so overloaded from being in a school that was too cold, too hot, too loud, too quiet, too everything. Too many people bumping up against you. Too many social issues to navigate. Too many homework and classroom policies to remember. Too many rules to follow. Um, Just lots and lots of overload. Uh, So, you know, the meltdowns were definitely common. Um, Getting on a device to decompress, that was helpful. Another thing I like to do is if someone's really upset, then I might go get a cup of tea or a cup of hot chocolate and then go into their room and say, hey, here, this is for you. I made this for you. It's my way of being able to say, I care about you enough that I want to do something nice for you. Even though you're not acting very nice at the moment, I understand it's because you don't feel good. And we're the adults. (laughs) So as the adults, it's kind of up to us to be the adults and to recognize, hey, they don't feel good right now. And they're not dealing with it appropriately, but they're really not in a headspace right now 
to be able to learn how to deal with that appropriately right now. And the best thing that I can do is model appropriate behavior from another adult. You don't look like you feel too good right now. Here's a cup of tea. Why don't you listen to some of your favorite music? Why don't you get online for a little bit? It's not a reward. It's a way of saying, here's some coping strategies. I know you need them and you can't find them right now. I'm going to spread a few out and hopefully one of those will work for you. It's about supporting. And really, that's that's puberty in a nutshell with sensory processing issues, autism, or honestly, any kid. <laughs> it's about supporting them and that relationship as you walk together through new experiences and, you know, try not to embarrass them and make them feel supported and make them feel seen. I really don't think you can go wrong with that. It really comes down to the relationship and, you know, what your experiences were growing up are going to be different from somebody else's. And you're not going to be the same parent that somebody else's parent is because you have a different set of experiences that have shaped you into a different person. So, you know, you may have grown up with a parent who didn't talk to you at all about puberty and just handed you a book and said, good luck. Or you may have grown up in a house where it was something that the whole family discussed openly and comfortably. And that's going to make a big difference in how you end up parenting through puberty. And that's okay. I always think that the best compliment you can pay to any parent is to appreciate the things that they did well and then try to improve upon the things that you think could be improved upon. And for some of us, that's a lot of things. And for some of us, it's not. <laughs> but try to take the next step. Make it a little bit better than it was for you when you were growing up. And if you can improve upon what you had, then I think you've done a great job. Thanks for joining me as we talked about puberty for girls and all those fun things that we often don't share about. Maybe at some point we should talk about what we don't talk about as adults. Very often we don't talk about things like miscarriages and stuff. And really, we should talk about these kinds of things and share. Because when we talk and share openly and communicate, we don't feel so alone. And we feel more supported. So, See you guys next time. We hope you had fun listening to today's episode and gained some new insights into the wonderful variety of people in our world. You can find out more about Amy's advocacy work at amybodkin.com. And remember, special needs kids are people too.